0: Thank you, Lord, for not just being a God that sees from afar what we go through. Oh, but God, that you suffer with us. You you understand what we go through. And you also understand what is needed to be able to traverse the difficulties of life. You understand what is needed, God, to be able to to steward the successes of life that don't corrupt our character. You know, Lord, you are a very real, a very present, a very near, a very near God. And I'm so thankful that when we get into your word, you you will show us, Lord, how we are to approach you, how we are to believe in you, how we are to stay in you, how we can be confident in you how we can be firm in you. I pray today somewhere, God, somebody I know is struggling with the aspect of faith. It's a difficult thing, Lord, to let you do all of it because somehow, Lord, we want to put our hands on it, Lord. Somehow, Scott Brandon wants to put his hands on it. You know my struggles. And Lord, I just pray that you would temper me with faith to know, God, that My work is to believe in you. That's what you said in your word. And so I pray today, not just for me. You you know, I'm praying for me, but I'm also praying for my friends today, Lord, that that we would learn to trust you beyond our capability of our hands, beyond the, the imagination that you've given us, so that when we're done and the work is done and the work that you partnered with us and we with you is done, Lord, the glory goes where it needs to go, and that is to our Father in heaven. I thank you, Lord, today. Anoint our hearts, anoint our minds to receive your word, your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I love you and I thank you as you do it today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Good morning. You guys energize me. Y'all energize me. I, I learned that last week. That, in fact, I was trying to um, just go through some things this morning. I was struggling. I was looking at my notes, and I was just so very, very tired. But here's what I know, that when y'all show up, you guys are like caffeine to the max to me. So I've decided to no longer take any blame about how revved up I get up here. It's your fault, okay? It's your fault. If you say, Pastor Scott was crazy today, that's your fault, all right? If I talk too fast, that's your fault, all right? Because it's something about y'all that just excites me. I love to see your face. I love to see you taking notes. I love to see you hug your spouse while I'm preaching. I don't know if that means save me or forgive me, one of the two. I'm just glad that you're here this morning. And I am so eager to share this word with you because in my own personal life, I have felt a shift. Uh, for a need, a necessity, um, in, in the aspect of faith. And so I, I want to start this series on faith starting today. And here's what I need you to know, because I just know how the enemy works. It's good for us to know his devices, right? As we're, as we're talking about faith um, over the next several weeks, I think you should be aware that one of the aspects of faith, the opposites of faith, is apathy. 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 How many of y'all are familiar with apathy? How many have kids named apathy? <laughs> I'll stop right there. Okay, so, so, so what I want you to know is simply this, is that as we learn, right, and as the Lord shows us how to walk in faith, how to hold on to our faith, how to build our faith, grow our faith, strengthen our faith, be mindful. Be, y'all say Mindful. Be mindful of apathy. That you get to a place where it's just, huh? Oh, hum. I'm here. I'm at work. I prayed. I read. And I appreciate y'all like this today. It's okay if I just appreciate y'all like this today. Turn to Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. I have an encouraging word for you today. It's very encouraging. I'm excited, to be honest with you. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Because I am a balancer in the room. And when I feel, ask my girls this, when, when I feel something going heavy one way, I feel the need to go the other way. So if you come in apathetic, I will do steroids in front of you. You know what I mean? I will go crazy. You will feel like you are in children's church all over again and some of y'all that might be just great (laughs) so as we do this prayer request thing on tuesdays we've been praying and as i've been praying and even as i've prayed for you around the altar i just feel i just feel like my prayers personally i'm just talking to me um i feel like my prayers personally have not been bold enough i feel like i've been praying prayers that are good pastoral prayers I don't want pastoral prayers. I want powerful prayers that are uh, proclaiming to the world what God is doing in your life. I want to, in fact, one of the things that we love is when we get together, uh, Tuesday mornings are, are, are one of my favorite times of the whole week, to be honest with you, because we come in here, it's good for me to look around, and I can see different staff members praying, and, and I mean, we're just... We're going at it, right? You, you guys are our people, and we love y'all, and so we're, we're going at it for you guys. And, and what I love is, is the, the, the spirit that's in that room. And, and now as I'm praying, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, don't just answer. Don't just meet the need that's written. You understand the hidden need. You understand the things that are not said. That's why it's so important for you to know that you're, you're Savior. He understands your groanings, that when you can't speak, He says, I know, I I know what you're going through. And so when I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, I I need, I need more faith. I feel a demand in my life for more faith. And so over the next several weeks, as we go on this journey, as you guys know, typically when I preach, it's my personal journey. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to it. Hey, by the way, howdy, y'all. All All right. Just making sure y'all are there. So maybe for you, that means this. You know, what part of your faith needs to grow? Maybe you need faith for your healing, finally, to happen. Maybe you need faith for your freedom or faith for forgiveness or faith for your future or faith for your finances or faith for your fiancé that you have yet to find. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. Faith for your family or perhaps faith to believe that there is a Father in heaven who would forgive you, who would blot out every stain, who would remove all the shame, who would remove all the guilt and make you white as snow, to make you innocent again, to make you a virgin again to understand what innocence is and what holiness is and in our minds sometimes we feel like we can never go back to what we've messed up but I love the word that the Lord gave Peter in Acts and he says do not call uncommon or common what the Lord has made clean if I call you clean you're clean you're clean so remember you need that faith to say, Lord, can I really be forgiven? Absolutely. What I know about this is that whatever you're needing faith for, there's not one person in the room that needs less of it, right? We know that. And not one person in the room can go without it. So as we talk about the faith, we look at the book of Hebrews. There's no better place that I know of to, to address faith than Hebrews. But we won't talk about the whole book because the whole book is 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 I don't have time. I mean, we got Christmas coming up, and I don't know how to fold that in and do all that clever pastorally stuff where you have to move your sermon into Christmas, and so I'll do a different sermon series. But today, I'm just rambling up here right now. Today, we're going to start on chapter 11, and I'll catch up on chapters 1 through 10. Here's what I need you to know is that the book of Hebrews is addressing Jews, and not just any Jews. They're very intellectual Jews. They know about the Old Testament very Much They know Jewish customs, Jewish traditions, Jewish ceremonies, all the Old Testament. In fact, the book of Hebrews has more Old Testament allusions and references than any other book in Scripture. Because it understands these people know everything about the old law, the old covenant. So if there's anybody that is struggling with trying to work to please God... It's these people. They understand the difficulty. In fact, not only are they struggling with the fact that their ancestors have done these works, a works-based system for almost 2,000 years, they're trying to, to leave that and go towards a new faith in their Christian faith following Christ who is a faith-based system, not a works-based system, but a faith-based system. And in trying to do that, they're facing persecution, persecution. They're facing all kinds of suffering. They're facing pressures for people to abandon their faith and go back to Judaism. And so here is, is it Judaism, Judaism, or Judaism? Because, see, y'all got this mountain out here called Judea. So I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. <laughs> because I said Judea one time, and somebody gave me that half-cocked eye. I was like, what are you talking about? Ju- Judea. Is it Judea. Judy (laughs) I went down that mountain called Judy (laughs) and so he puts this chapter chapter 11 right in a specific spot because first the first 10 chapters uh, is all about how Jesus is the the better high priest how he 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 has a better blood who has sealed a better covenant And so what we see consistently, 1 through 10, is simply that Jesus is better. We know that, right? We know that. They struggle with that. But what I want you to understand is that they're having a problem with not working anymore for what they would receive. They don't understand that, that this way is about faith. This is about faith. You can't earn this. You can't merit this. All they've ever known is the temple and the law and the code of Essex and the, and the religion and all those things. And, and, and the crazy thing is, is even though they know Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that you and I, we can't boast. They know that in their mind, but their heart hears this. Deuteronomy 5, 1 says, Hear, O oh Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. Because be honest, even though they know those things and they're struggling with those things, you and I do too. We know that we've been saved by grace through faith, but when we pray, we say, Lord, I have learned and I have been careful to do all that you've commanded me. And that's why I need you to approve my prayer. Lord, I, 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 I really need this position I really need this opportunity at work. Lord, I I really need you to, to heal my marriage. And here's the reason why, Lord, is because I've learned everything you've taught me. I've been careful to do everything you've taught me. And in that way, you and I are the same Jew that's in the book of Hebrews. Because we know how we're saved, we just don't walk in that same capacity. But you cannot come to Christ in faith and perfect your flesh in the law, Paul he deals with that heavily, but to be honest, that's where you and I are, right? We feel like if we do the right thing, say the right thing, think the right thing, then God will approve the thing that we want, and so what is a Jew, and what are we to do? Here's the first thing I need you to know. We are to believe. Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the assurance of things. Now, I don't know what your, there's so many different translations out there and what yours say, but mine says today, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so here's what we are to do. We are to believe as if we have the assurance of things hoped for. We are to believe as if we have the assurance of things hoped for, but then we are to behave. It's not just a thinking, it's a doing. We are to behave our behavior as if we are convicted of things not seen. I'm not getting into the convicted uh, today, probably, probably next week, but today we're going to talk about the assurance of things. We are to live out what we have believed in. That's what Hebrews 11.1 one is telling us. So let's talk about this word specifically, assurance, in Hebrews 11.1. One. Now, it says in the ESV assurance, it's substance in the KJV, which I prefer, honestly, Uh, is a better word for it, and confidence in the NIV, and there's some variations there. But it's really all the same Greek word, and that Greek word is hypostasis. It's not really said that way. It's a bit more of a flare. I don't want to say all that today, but uh, anyway, it's hypostasis, all right? That's what it is. It's hypostasis. And so when we look at this word, what does it really mean? And what's kind of cool about this word is that it's only found two other times in the book of Hebrews, and that's significant because... We don't know in full clarity and concretely who the writer of Hebrews is. Now, most people think it's Paul. Early church fathers think that way. But we don't know for sure who that is. Now, let me tell you the reason why that's important. If you're if you're studying Bibles, hermeneutical principles simply say this. When you find a word in a book and you want to know what that definition of that word is, you look at how the author uses it first within that book and then within his writings, and then within the Testament, then with the whole Scripture. But since we don't know if he's written anything else, all we can do is look at that word and say, have you used it somewhere else? And so as we're studying the Word of God, we need to see, is that word somewhere else that he's used to bring definition to it? And yes, it is in two places. And the two places he uses it are incredibly powerful in terms of their implication. So let's look at that but before we get to that, let me just remind you That hypostasis is pointing to something. The assurance is pointing to something. The whole point of faith is to pointing to something that's down the road that we haven't got. And that is the promises of God. Now, let me just remind you, if you've not had these before, I'll list them all for you. These are categorical. But the promises of God are eternal life in Titus 1-2, salvation in Romans 10-9, inheritance in Hebrews 9-15, the kingdom of God in James 2-5, resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15-20-22, and God's promises are in in Romans 4-20-21 and reconciliation with God in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. Do y'all write that down? I'll pause just for a second. Or you can take a picture. That's the best way to do it. And so here are the promises of God. Now you might ask for some other things. You may say, no, I really just want a wife. (laughs) Well, that can be in this reward section over here. It could be in the resurrection if your love life is dead. There's all kinds of different things you could do. Uh, to, to fold what you're looking for in terms of God's promises, all right? And so, so how does that flow into where we're going today? Well, we want to know is what gets us there and how do we make those things that seem so far off in the future. One day they will be a reality, but right now they're not. We're having faith to bring those things. And the key about faith is simply this, is bringing the reality into the present. And that's what hypostasis does. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. This is talking about Christ. If you don't know already, it says long ago, at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So we're clearly talking about Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his hypostasis, his nature. Now, take into uh, account or a fact for a moment and realize the gravity of that statement. He is the radiance of the glory, but he is the exact imprint of God, the Father's nature. Jesus is. Hebrews is saying Jesus is the substance. He is the essence. He is the foundational nature of God here. Jesus is a different person from God the Father, but they are God equally because they are the same essence and they share the same nature. What you see Jesus doing is what you'll see the Father doing. What you see Jesus thinking or, or, or doing or speaking or hearing, all those things he gets from the Father, all those qualities that Jesus is comes from the Father because they, the Father, because they share the same essence and also with the Holy Spirit. That's how we get the Trinity. They are, they are um, co-equal, three in one. And so this is no mystery for us. We've learned this most of our life. But if you've not, here's the new thing for you is that in every way, Jesus is God. And in every way, Jesus is the Father, but he's not the Father at the same time. Are you confused? Good. The early church fathers said to Jesus this. They said, he is light from light. He is life from life. He is God of very God. And look what Jesus said about him and the Father. In John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. We're one. 14.9, 14.9, he says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? John 17.1 says, they, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was. God, who we talking about? Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus is the hypostasis of God. He is the manifested nature and essence of God. Let me put that out there so you can kind of just rattle this a little bit as I teach. I want you to understand that faith is the present substance of a future reality. Faith is a present, that's a now, that's a right now, that's a here, this second, is a present substance. That is something tangible you can hold on to, it's attainable, it's, it's something I, I'm not just hoping, believing, it's not ethereal, it's not distant, it's, it's present substance, right now, of a future reality. Something that is real, something that is true, but it's not experienced yet. You've not encountered it yet, but it is altogether real. We know that it is real because we see God's promises time and time again. We know to trust God. We're not going to alter that at all. We know that God's, God's promises equal God's will. God's will equals God's character. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But we understand is that, that all the promises of God are yes and amen. God has already fulfilled those promises. You and I, we're just not in the moment to experience that just yet. God himself is omnipresent. He can stand at the beginning and look at the end, and he can stand at the end and look at the beginning. What I love about the aspect of God being omnipresent is that right now, though you and I call it history, that right now God is in the place where his son was crucified. And he can see every time you and I mess up, he can stand right there and still see the blood flow and still hear the words, it is finished. So that way, every time you and I mess up, he goes right back to the moment, right back to that place that you and I can't get to and say, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It's so good, but at the same time this morning, when you think that it will never work out for you, you don't have a hope or a promise to lead into. You think that bill will never get paid. You think those sales will never be regenerated. You think you'll never see him or her. You'll never have a, a life or you'll never make it into the kingdom. God right now is in the place that all those things that have been fulfilled. And so he can encourage you and he can promise you. The problem is that you and I, we're not in the future reality. And so we have a difficulty in the present. But faith is is the hypostasis, it is the assurance. Jesus is in a present uh, substance, what the Father is, in a future reality. Don't let me lose you here. I'm going to take my time just for a second. In John 14, 6-7, Jesus is having a discourse with the disciples, and he's talking about that I am the truth, the life, you know, and, and the way. Um, actually, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is, is how you should properly quote that. And so he says, after that, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But here is something we'll just run past all day long. But notice this word right here, these three words. From now on. From now on. Why from now on? Why? Why from now on? Why not before But why from now on? Because Jesus says, you've never seen the Father. And no one has seen the Father except he who has come from the Father. So from now on, you have what? You do know him and you have seen him. You've never seen him and you've never known him in the past. But now that I, Jesus, who who basically I am the essence the nature of the father I am the hypostasis of the father now you have seen me you have seen the father why because I am the present substance of the future reality one of these days you're going to see him one of these days you're going to know him one he says, you're going to experience him. We, we know that later on in life. We'll, we'll see that here in Scripture in just a second. But we have to understand that Jesus is, is the present substance of what the Father one day will reveal to himself. Jesus continues and says this in uh, chapter 14, 8 through 11. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, for the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Okay, Pastor Scott, I get that, that they're one and the same. He's there, and he's there, and he's there, and he's here. All right, I get all of that. What does that really, really mean? How do we simply draw from that? How does that build my faith? How do I walk in that in a greater capacity tomorrow? I hear you. First off, you should know that God the Father is you will see him in future reality. Revelations 22.4 says that. We'll see his face. And on our foreheads will be his name. And that he's also the present substance, as we mentioned in John 14.9. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Faith is to the things hoped for what Jesus is to the Father. See, see, what we don't understand sometimes is that you and I, we're just praying, and we're praying, and we're trying to believe, we're trying to believe, we're trying to believe. And we, we, we're really just hoping, to be honest. We're really just hoping. Oh, God, I, I hope, Lord, that you hear me and heal me. Oh Lord, I hope I pray that you would. I know what your word says, and so your word gives me more hope. But at the end of the day, Lord, I'm hoping that that this will happen. But you're not operating in assurance. Assurance is different. Assurance is saying, I know there's a future reality because I've got a present substance right now. See, here's a a way to think about this. Um, Let's imagine just can we just dream for a second? Let's dream that the Hogs were undefeated right now. we were on our way to a bowl game, if we are going to dream, let's dream big. I don't know if they'd go to a championship. That's probably outside God's capacity. But but if we're there, we're dreaming because the Lord's like, I don't know, Scott. I'm sweating up here trying to get them to, you know, win. So let's say that they're on their way to an SEC bowl game. And we're going to play Texas because we love playing Texas. Sorry, Caleb, I love you, but, you know, we're going to play Texas in the bowl game. And here's the thing. We know we're going to win. We know we are. We're excited about it. But that's not here just yet. We got to wait until bowl season, until January to see that, actually December. And so what we're seeing is simply this, is that even though it hasn't happened yet, you and I, we got a ticket. We got a ticket. And when you have a ticket to that game, you'll wake up some days, and you'll hold that ticket, and you're so excited, right? Because I'm going to the game. I'm going to the game. I'm going to rub it in Pastor Caleb's face. I'm going to the game. Why? Because I got a ticket that guarantees me my way in. Isn't it funny how we have faith, and we can even have joy in faith? Because joy in faith is having something in the now that guarantees our future. Have you ever paid for a vacation but have yet to take it? Right? You know it's coming. You know it's coming. Some of y'all, I don't do that, Pastor guy. We, we go on vacation when we can. We don't pay for it ahead. I don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever been pregnant? Guys, I'm talking to y'all. Have you ever been pregnant and you're excited that the baby's coming, right? It's a future reality. But right now, there's a present substance that says, I can't wait until it comes. See, you and I, we have the ability to have joy in a present substance in our faith. There's a lot of things in our life that we can have faith in, but sometimes we just get hopeful because we lack the assurance. Can I tell you, you and I, we're not, our faith does not consist of hope. Atheist hope. In fact, I would say this, that atheists have faith. We don't have faith. I just Let's just throw that away. Not entirely. But let's just throw it away to some degree. Because it's not faith that we're looking for. What we're looking for is assurance. Assurance. I don't want to just hope. I don't want to just expect something great and big. I need something now to guarantee me of what's coming. Do y'all hear me this morning? I need something now. I got to be healed now. I need my family restored now. I need all these things right now, but they're not here yet. So what can I do to assure myself? And he says that just as Jesus was the present substance to a future reality, so is your Your faith is the thing that you cling to and say, I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. You may come across some obstacles in your day and and, and discouragement may come and people's words may come and friends and family and your job and other things may come and say, it'll never come. But you see, the thing is, is that when you have assurance, you say, yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. I got proof right now that it's already happened. I'm just not in the place to experience it. I have faith, and that faith is my assurance. Let me show you. Abraham, he has a deed to the promised land. But when did he get it? Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you uh, of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you, your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And verse seven says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. But when he gave him all these promises, where is he at? He was in his mama's basement still. And the Lord said, get up and go. I've given you the land of promise. I've, I've gave it to you already. Now, did you see Abraham say, well, okay, thank you, Lord. Where can I buy that deed at? The Lord's like, no, no, I gave it to you already. Okay, Lord, well, I'll just wait until it comes in the mail. No, <laughs> it's already yours. You already own it. My word is the deed. Some of y'all need to come with me this morning. Did Abraham wait until he had enough offspring to say, finally, I've got all the sins and all the stars in the sky in terms of children. Now let's go in and overwhelm and take. No, no. He had to just get up and walk every day and look around. And his name was Abram. And the Lord renamed him Abraham, which meant father of many. That's a whole nother, it's a whole nother level of faith. He walked around saying, this is all mine and my children. And I'm almost about to die with no kids. But the Lord's going to give it to me. See, here's the thing you need to know. And, and, and I'm almost done. Matter of fact, worship team, come on up. Here's what you need to know. Listen, don't, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Abraham knew it was his because he had the promise of God. The promise of God is equal to God's will, and God's will equals God's character. We say that God is unchangeable. We call that immutable. You cannot change God. If you can change God's promise, that means you can change his will. If you can change his will, you can change his character, because his will is simply the outworking of who he is. God only does who He is, just like you. You only do what you think about yourself. You don't do other things that you don't think about yourself, but you naturally and you subconsciously do those things you think about yourself. And God is the same way. He only does who he is, and when he works out his character for us to see, that's called the will. But if we if he does something that we've not yet seen just yet, it's called God's promise. Because God's word is always tied to God's will, and God's will is always the evidence of God's character. And so when Abraham stood out, even though he had none of that, he says, I hold in my hand. And I hold in my heart the word of God, which is unchanging as the will of God, which is unchanging as the character of God. And since his character could never be changed, neither can his promise for my life. What are you holding on to this morning? I mean, what are you holding on to this morning? Are you just hoping? You're just cheerleading yourself along? writing little sticky notes everywhere, trying to encourage yourself? Or do you got something present? Do you have something to cling to that's real? That's a real faith that walks me through the difficult times when everything is denying His Word. But I know what His Word says. I know what His Word says. I know what His Word says about my children, about my family, about my finances, about my addictions. I know what His Word says. And if I'm not going to have those things that is in his word, then God is a liar and I'm done with it all. But since I know his word has never been broken,